Okay, we begin Sefer Sefania, Perek Aleph, Pasach Aleph, Tevar Hashem Hoya El Sefania. And Sefania is the ninth of our 12 Treosar Nevi'im. And while his prophetic output is just three prakim, do not underestimate Sefania. He's one of the most highly regarded Nevi'im in the entire canon. Uh, the Rambam in Mori Nevuchim states that Sefania was the teacher of Yirmiyahu. The Gemara tells us that there were three contemporaneous Nevi'im at that time, Yirmiyahu, Sefania, and Hulda, the Nevi'ah, and that each one had his own specialty. Sefania was preaching in the Bate Knesiot, Bate Mizrashot, Yirmiyahu was in the public square, and Hulda preached exclusively to the women. Moreover, you can see the esteem that Sefania is held in when you compare it to Pasuk Aleph, Herak Aleph of Habakkuk. Habakkuk, it merely says, Hamasa Asher Choza Habakkuk Hanavi. Gives no lineage, no yichis. We know the Talmud tells us that the more lineage the Navi had, when you mention his father's name or his grandfather's name, you realize that they were Nevi'im as well. So listen to Pasuk Aleph of Sefania. Javar Hashem Asher Haya El Sefania, Ben Kushi, Ben Gedalia, Ben Amre, Ben Chizkia, Bimei Yoshio, Ben Amon, Melech Yehuda. It gives four generations, and the assumption is they were all prophets. Um, and he preached at the time of Yoshiyahu ben Amon, and we will speak about him in a minute, Melech Yehuda. He speaks exclusively to Yehuda, and it is mentioned one of those generations there, Chizkiah. And we wonder aloud, the Mephoshim, is this the Chizkiah, the king of uh, Judea? And the Barbanel says, it can't be, that it rather is, because very simply, if it were Chizkiah, it would be a bigger buzz. You'd hear more about it. It just wouldn't mention casually that he's a descendant of the king of Judah. But he is preaching at the time of Yoshia ben Amon, and that requires some comment. We know that Yoshio was the last great moment in Yehuda. You will recall the story at Belachim that during a Bedek bias, a um, refurbishment of the bias, they discovered a Sefer Torah. The scroll was devouring. They open it up. It opens up to the Tochacha, the rebuke. And he takes it, Yoshio, as a signal to call for a mass tshuva movement. Um, what they do is they reopen and establish all the Batei Midrash, all the yeshivas, all the, the uh, Batei Knesio. There is a massive movement where people are trained in yeshivas from small to large to uh, know the text, 
There are inspectors that go out to every house to root out the Avodazora that might have been in the house. It was probably one of the massive, most massive Balshuva movements in our history. And what happens is that from there, the Gemara tells us there was talk that he was destined to be the Mashiach. That much of a tzaddik Yoshio was. And just read in Sefer Malachim, the Chamohu Lo Hayalafanov. There was no one like him before Asher Shovel Hashem Bacholavavo, who returned to the Kodesh Baruch with all his heart. Ubachonav Shov, Ubachoma Odo, the Cholcharas Moshe, the Acharov Lo Kom Kamohu. There was none after him. So we see that Yoshiyahu was a giant figure. Again, the last great moment of Judah's history. And now then the question arises, the tenor of the Nevi'im, or the, the prophecies rather, that Sifanyar gives is towards the destruction that is coming to Yehuda. It is going to be preemptive. It is going to be total. So the question is, if Yoshiyahu is presiding as king, we know, by the way, the Gemara says that he was assured he would not live to see that. He would be spared from seeing it. But the question is, if there's a giant tshuva movement, why is there a giant decree of destruction? And the only thing that Mepharshim can come up with is that this nevuah preceded Chizkiyahu's Balchuva movement. He was king, remember, I think he raised for 31 years, but this might have preceded before he undertook the movement. So that would explain it. But as we say, it's a terribly lacerating, destructive nebuah on the destruction of Yehuda and the Golos Bada. So we continue Pasuk Beis. Asof esof kolmei al peneha damanu mashem. Gather in, and as Rashi says, lashon kiliayom. It is a language of destruction. Gather all the people, Bnei Adama Numa Shem. Numa Adama means in Bnei Yisrael. Asof Adam, Ubehema, gather man, Jew, and animal. Asef Of Hashemayim, the birds of the sky. Udegei Hayam, the fish of the water. Hamachsholos, as Harashoyim, those machsholos, which are, as Rashi says, Avodazara, that trip up man, the icons, the pestles, um, the karti es ha'odam me'al p'nei ha'tamah n'um Hashem. And I will erase Adam, we know, is synonymous with Jew, from the face of the earth. Now the question is, is it really the intent to exile every animal, every fish, every bird, it doesn't sound very realistic, although you could say that with the people gone, the vegetation gone, there's really no place for animals, birds, or fish to thrive, but rather the Malbin says it is a um, metaphor. It's a metaphor, for example, the animal represents those kind of Jews who were Avodah Zorah, whose behavior was immoral and obscene. The fish represent those who live a life of just um, 
adultery and spawning and freedom at the bottom of the ocean. And the birds could be those lofty, haughty people in Israel who think they are higher and better and more secure than anyone. So it is a metaphor. The Mitzvahos, as we've said, is the Avodah Zorah. I am going to wipe them all out. I will stretch my hand to over Yehuda. I'll call Yerushalayim over all the inhabitants of Yerushalayim. I will remove them from here. I will take away the remnants of the Baal. Kmarim is known as the priests who do the Avodah Zorah. And here, Kohanim, well, some of us would say Kohanim can mean nothing but Kohanim. They were, some say no, they assisted at the Avodah Zorah, these kind of Kohanim. But all of them are going to be removed. When they say Kohanim, they mean our Kohanim? That's a, it's, a, it's a difference of Mepharshim. Some say it's the Kohanim who did, who presided at the Avodah Zorah. Some say it can't be the Kohanim, and its usage mean Kohanim but that they obviously were silent during this period. And yes, they are going to be included in the um, punishment. Um, so, the Es HaMishtachavim Al-Hagagos, those who bow down on the roofs, remember much of Avodah Zorah is done in high places, and people had their own altars on their roofs. Litzvah meaning to the constellations. These were definite Avodah Zorah who worshipped the sun, the moon, the stars. Ves HaMishtachavim, those who bow down on Mishvarim LaShem, Vanishvarim B'Malkam. Very interesting. And those who bow down to the Kaddish Baruch and bow down to Mamalkom, the kings of Avodah Zorah. They play it both ways. They swear to the Kaddish Baruch they take oaths to their own Avodah Zorah. They are going to get it also. Those who turn their back on the Kaddish Baruch Hu, they're totally passive. In other words, they're not doing Avodah Zarah. They're not doing Trila or anything else related to Judaism. They just are there. Um, they don't seek God. They are neutral. So, Has Elohim, woe to them before the Kodesh Hashem, this can be terrifying. The Kaddish Baruch Hu, Hashem Zevach, he has prepared a slaughter of B'nai Yisrael, Hiktish and he has invited guests, literally. So, one of them, unfortunately, said the guests, of course, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babliam are going to destroy them. Others say that the birds and the animals are going to feed on them. So devastating will be the... Uh, uh, the, the, so devastating will be the slaughter. It is a terrifying prospect. 
And on that day, the Prakati al Hasarim, I will take the leaders of Bnei Yisrael who bear a responsibility of this, while Bnei Hamelech, the sons of the king, this could refer to Tzikiyahu. Remember, all his sons are slaughtered uh, by Nebuchadnezzar. But Kol Haloshim Malbush Nochri, very interesting metaphor. All those who wear Malbush Nochri, literally uh, the garments of the foreign nations, of the Goyim. So it could mean, as Rashi says, Tachshish Avodazara, uh, the clothes of Avodazara that the priests may have worn. It could mean, say, some of some clothes that they stole. In that society, if they saw someone have beautiful clothes, they would steal it from their fellow man. Some say it was clothes uh, that were improper, that were meant to attract attention, that uh, drew attention. Others say, very interestingly, it could have been clothes meant to disguise their lack of Judaism. In other words, they wore clothes that presented themselves as total Jews, but didn't mean. In other words, uh, I believe the Radak says, well, the Radak says, how you goes in the menu, below shim, and they, they wore it, flaunting it before the people. And as we say, some say they wore it to disguise their lack of Judaism, pretending they were Jews. So I am going to destroy again. I'll call Haloshim. I will get rid of those as well. Upakati al kol hadoleg al hamifton, another great metaphor. I will visit with punishment those who skip over the threshold. Right? What does that mean? We have to go back to Shmuel, where you will recall the Plishkin capture the Ark of the Covenants, the Aron in um, Shiloh. Actually, sorry, it was Gilgal and they take it back to their city uh, in Ashdod and put it before their god Dagon. And the Navi tells us on the first night, the statue of Dagon falls right before the Ark of the Covenant. And they think nothing of it, they reset it, but the next night it falls and the arms, legs, and head fall to the threshold. They find it on the threshold of their temple of Dagon the next morning. And from that came the Minhag. They will never stand on the threshold, the Philistines. They step over it in all their temples. Now, the Jews go one step further. When they're going to the Avodah or when they go to the temple of Dagon, they jump over it. They're not just step over it gingerly. They jump over it with like they've gone one further with, you know, joy, uh, etc. So, it is deceit and deception what they do, how they um, worship the Avodah Zorah. Um, in other words, as the Radak says, they take it to a different Chumrah. They're going to jump over. Uh, that they just go one step beyond. They exceed the Doleg al But all of those 
they are going to meet their uh, fate. There is going to be a cry. Shahadagim could either be um, a, a, a gate in the temple courtyard, but more likely it refers, Rashi refers to it as uh, it's Tiberius. Uh, that gate is Lud. Uh, uh, Excuse me, one second. Shemagor, I think, would be Tiberius. The other are other cities that are in low points that they are going to be destroyed as well. All of the Machtes, which you're not sure where that is, but it's in a very low valley depression. Because they are like all the nations of Knan, Nikrisu Kolnitile Kesef that all that their money, as we're going to see, is no aid. It's that they use money to coat the Avodah but they also think that their money is going to protect them from what is coming. Absolutely not. I will go to you, Shalayim, Kavachol, with candles, Ufakati al-Anashim, Hakotim al-Shmarehem, and I will capture, I will take and punish those men, Hakofim Ashmirehem. Interesting metaphor again. It's like the sediment that lie upon the wine. Normally the sediment sinks to the bottom, but these rest upon the top. They don't go to the top, they're not taken out, they lie relaxed on top of the wine. Ha'omrim Bilbavam, and they say in their hearts, Lo Yitavashem, Chill, don't worry, nothing bad's gonna happen, nothing bad. They are just oblivious or could care less about <clears throat> the impending prophecy. The Hoya Phalam, the Mishiso, Bateyam, the Shmoma. And I will destroy these people, I will make their houses of desolation. Uvana Batim, they will build houses, but they will never inhabit them. They're going to be away, killed, or in Babel. But not to crumbing. They will plant vineyards below Yish to Esyedam and will never get to drink their wine. It's like taking the language of the Yeah. Yeah. The day is coming. It is approaching. It's not soon. It's going to be very near. And you are going to hear the screams of the Giba, that even the strongest, mightiest soldiers of you are going to scream in terror. Or it could mean, of course, the people themselves screaming in terror. But Sarasham Giba we refer to as the soldiers. Yom Ever Hayom Hahu Yom Sara, it will be a terrible day. Yom Sara Umatsuka, Yom Shoah. Yom Shoah, a day of desolation. Yom Choshech, a day of darkness. Rafaela. Yom Anan Arafel, a day of cloud and darkness. Arafel is deeper than Anan. But note the use five separate times of the Hoya Yom. Yom Shoah, Yom Choshech. 
It is connected the five terrible disasters that occurred to us on Tishabov from the Miraglin, from Apostimus, the Greek burning at Torah, from the first temple, uh, from the second temple, that each one commemorates a terrible disaster of Tishabov. That's how disastrous this will be. Yom Shofar or Trua al Ha'arim, there will be Shofar and Trua, which usually signals the impending. Uh, War or invasion, habotros or lapinos, habos, on all these elaborate buildings you have built, they call lapinos because you built these towers of protection at the corners. And I will destroy them, gather them, and they will stumble like blind men because they've sinned against God. The shufot domin to offer, I will spill blood like dust. Uluchamam kigilgolin. Luchamam could mean their lechem, their their bread. Kigilgolin uh, could also mean their their bones. Kigilgolin, literally, like excrement. I will scatter them. Gam chaspam, their silver. Gam zalvam, their gold. Lo yuchalatzilam will yield naught in saving them. But Yom Evrati Hashem, the day I come, the Eish Kinaso Tochel Kala Ores, and with my fire of fury, I will destroy the whole earth. The meaning the land of Israel, because I will make cause to tremble all the Yosrei So you see, it is a terrible, terrible prophecy. It comes at the time of Yoshiyahu, and in Mir Hashem we will see, is there a way out of it? Is there possible tshuva that the Navi will offer? 8.45 a.m. Monday, you will want to be there, Adkan.